What's going on, Defenders? Welcome to episode 170 of the most LAFC podcast somewhere. Certainly not in LA, certainly not tonight. If you don't know my voice, I will introduce myself. My name is Christian Philly Philemon, and I am one half of the dynamic duo that gives you Defenders of the Bank. In front of me, just a little forward and to the right. Coming to you live from the heart of Screenland, Culver City, California. I give you the tyrant of threads, J.R. Liebert, the scarf. What is good, Defenders? Look. You're far more excited than you no, should No, not be. excited. Just trying to keep the energy level up. We are recording this at 1244 in the morning on Thursday, September 30th. We are back from the bank. Bank of California Stadium turns out to be another house of horrors. If you've seen this movie once or twice... It played out a third time in 2021. The same scoreline, the same two teams, and the same exact way, Philly. It's like all- Sharknado, dude. They keep making the same remake it's, time after time, and it gets worse. It's funny you say that. We are sitting at Nina's parents' house recording this. Oh, And they yes. have Sharknado parties That's right, for I forgot every about that. single one of the ones that came out. Look. All three matches against Portland. Let me, let me take you through. Here's the match recap. Portland scores. We score. Portland scores. We go home. That's how it worked for all three matches. Now, whether the match came in stoppage time like one of the matches did. Oh, that was awful. We lost to the death like early on. Oh, yeah. Or whether it came in the 59th minute off of a burnt defender. Like it did today. <laughs> I'm not burning. What are you talking about? No, no, no. That would be one Jesus David Maria. Oh. All three of our matches, sports fans, have played out in the exact same way. And I don't know how you guys are feeling out there. All Pissed the off, please. Uh, all the defenders faithful, all the millions. And millions. And there's at, at this point, there's probably trillions of us. That, that are... Super upset. Look, Without a doubt. We, we are Club's got to come off today, Scarf. We are still the most LAFC podcast on earth, but I will say that the black and gold is looking a little dimmer in terms of playoff hopes after today, but, but only a little dimmer. And I'll talk about that more at the end of the podcast. Philly, let's talk about something... Let's talk about something a little happier first. Usually, you know, we do a little banter. We get everybody warmed up. We try and take really don't mind. You don't just want to take the gloves off and, like, duke it out right now? I, I just want to mention that this is your chance. Oh, God. No, what no, no. What are you setting me up for? This is your what chance. What trap am I walking into today? I mean, you, you probably know where this is going. This is your chance to talk about how you got to travel to Inglewood, California to watch the greatest living American lose. That's got, that's got to be fun for you, right? You know, I, I got to admit, um, you, you smiled you, you when you I find said that. Way to make me smile. <laughs> there you yes, go. yes. As you all know, and in the event that this is the first time that you're listening to this podcast, hello, Scarf has a tendency to mention the greatest living American, and by the greatest I living love American, that you call him that now. Look, I mean, look, this is what you're saying. It's just a thing for people who don't know. I got to get them up to speed. It's it. Tom Brady. Scarf yes, drools is. over Tom Brady. Something. The odd part is he doesn't have any Tom Brady jerseys. But I Scarf don't. always likes to get under my skin and yes. the skin of several other listeners to this podcast. Hi, punk. A- exactly. Uh, with, with comments about Tom Brady. But this past Sunday, we got to go to SoFi, which I got to tell you. It doesn't matter whether stupid. you're a Rams fan it's or not stupid. or a Chargers fan or not. If you are a fan of sports and perhaps 
architecture and technology. For sure. SoFi Stadium is from another dimension. If you're a fan of being overwhelmed to the point of just before you have that seizure. That was me at SoFi. I've, I had never, you've been there now a couple of times. This was my first time walking in to the palace that is SoFi Stadium. My, my heart skipped a beat in my chest. I looked up. Allegedly, there are people all the way up there in the 500 section. That was unreal. I got to sit in the 100 section, uh, went with a uh, friend of the podcast, Bruce. Uh, and, Your friend of the podcast. <laughs> and, and I have to tell you, it, that place was unflippin' believable. Yeah. Philly, a cavalcade of stars. LeBron James and Carmelo Anthony and Dwayne Wade. Mike Tyson was <laughs> there. Said what's up to Tom Morello. We actually do have a, a mutual acquaintance, a mutual friend, my buddy Carl. Yeah. Got to chat with him for a little bit. That Dave was Winfield, cool. my cousin's favorite baseball the, player. The of cast all of Ted Lasso that was not only there at SoFi, but they were at the bank again today. Right? I mean, look, it was awesome. Sugar but, Ray Leonard. But everybody. Anthony Kiedis. Everybody. Everybody was in the building to take Instagram photos and to go live and to put on their TikTok that they got to see the man who doesn't eat bread, the greatest living American, Tom Brady. But you, Philly, had the last laugh because you, as part of the Ramily, got to watch him lose. I told you that I was going to come into SoFi wearing my Aaron Donald jersey because Aaron Donald was going to put the shebang bang on Tom Brady. Yes. And the Rams did. And I got to tell you, Matthew Stafford is the real deal. I don't miss you, Jared Goff, whatsoever. Nope. With an all-star quarterback like Matthew Stafford, the Rams are the real deal. And they go into SoFi Stadium again with another undefeated team in their division, the Arizona Cardinals. It's going to be a fun matchup. But scarf, scarf, scarf. Yes. You, you put a smile on my face, obviously to up the ante, up the yes. energy. But we're, we're not here to talk about this, that football. We're here to talk about another football. Not 432 and, 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 yards, one touchdown, a little plunge, that typical one-yard little plunge that he gets. We didn't yeah, really I mean, I wasn't going to mention that, but I obviously did. you did. Look, yo, the glove's got to come off. Like, we can't, there's, there's not, this isn't going to be an episode about sugarcoating LAFC, sugarcoating ideas, saying things from a glass-half-full perspective. Yes, you might catch that, but this is a time for at least meet event. I don't know how Scar feels about this, but... This wasn't a great match. This wasn't a great result. A do-or-die moment at home in Bank of California Stadium. A lot of teams don't win on the road. Portland did. They've given us the trifecta of the how's your father. 2-1 on three different occasions. Let's talk real today, Scarf. No sugarcoating. Gloves off. Let's talk real. All right. So let's first begin with the way that we like to begin a lot of our podcasts. We have our little banter. Quick little trip down this day in LAFC history lane on the 29-2018 LAFC falls flat in a 3-1 <laughs> loss at Chicago as Diego Rossi scores his 10th of the season. And Josh Perez makes his Major League Soccer debut as a substitute for Adama Diamande in the giggity 69th minute. Next year on the 29th in 2019, LAFC heads to Allianz field to take on Minnesota United in front of the Wonderwall. The game ends in a 1-1 draw, and that would be Carlos Vela's 31st goal of the season in the 70th minute, tying Joseph Martinez for the most in a single MLS season, and that game was the MLS debut of Diego Palacios. Sorry, a little heartburn there as I'm drinking a Raz Cranberry If I'm not mistaken, he did not have the greatest start as an LAFC player. He did not. I mean, he played the first 84 minutes and did okay in that match. The reason why I bring up these two matches, in addition to them also taking place 
on the 29th of September, the same as our game. It featured a couple of Major League Soccer debuts, and I have a feeling, Philly, that Josh Perez and Cheeky Palacios, after today in this day in LAFC history, are not going to be the only two players making their debuts. Let's go through a quick little update on Diego Rossi and Fenerbahce, Philly. On Sunday, September 26th, Fenerbahce defeated Hyatt Sport 2-1 behind a 17th-minute strike from Diego Rossi. I'm so happy for him. The man who scored his Turkish League Super League goal against Hayat Sport, Diego Rossi. That rolls right off the tongue. It is, of course, <laughs> his first Turkish Super League goal. Rossi and Fenerbahce Makes play... well like vodka and milk. <laughs> Rossi and Fenerbahce play Olympiakos in the second of six Europa League qualifiers for Fenerbahce on Thursday, September 30th. If they, of course, drew with Philly squad Eintracht Frankfurt 1-1 in their first Europa League match. And just a quick note, because we want to talk about at least one first-place team on this show. <laughs> After seven matches in the Turkish Super League, Fenerbahce does sit at the top of the table on 16 points behind a 5-1-1 and record. And, of course, we got to check in on the Las Vegas Lights. They haven't lost because they haven't played. The Las Vegas Lights... Head up to yeah, Oakland. That's, that's a bright note for them, That honestly. is a bright note. They head up to Oakland, give them a dose of Oaktown power, and charge them by the hour on Saturday, October right. 2nd. That was MC Hammer right there. I don't know if you know that. That was too legit to, well, to, to quit. Well, there you go. The Lights currently sit last of the eight teams in the Western Conference Pacific, an incredible 39 points behind division-leading Phoenix Rising with 17 points on a five-win, 19-loss and two-draw campaign. Let's face it. People go for the $2 shots of tequila and hang out with they the Lamas. They have to at this point. Of the 31 teams, Philly, in the USL Championship, no team has given up more goals than the Lights. 64 goals, by the way. And their 19 losses at this point in the season also lead the league. That's our news There's and notes. There's nothing lighting up Cashman Field. They need to change Philly, let's rip the Band-Aid off. 2-1, 2-1, and of course tonight... 2-1. Stupid. I hate it. And this time, Philly, what made matters worse? Where are we playing tonight? Oh, the Cathedral of the Black and Gold. Bank is. of California Stadium. A place that has been a fortress for us for a number of games. Portland isn't good on the road. In fact, most major league teams, most major league soccer teams aren't good on the road. If you look at the standings, there are only four teams that have winning records on the road. One in the Eastern Conference, that of the New England Revolution, and three in the West. Seattle, no surprise. Sporting Kansas City, not so much of a surprise. And the Colorado Rapids, quite the surprise. Since they traded for Mark Anthony Kay, the Colorado Rapids have not lost. Ten matches, stupid. Five wins, five draws. No losses since trading for Mark Anthony K. Who, who's going to get the last laugh out of this one? I'm just Him putting or it us? out there. Just putting it out there. Just saying. We let Tyler Miller go. Look at where they are in the standings right now. We let Walker Zimmerman go. Let's not even get started on the Nashville. anger that that caused. Mike, Nashville is second. Look, the East is bad, right? The East is, is not good. But let's, let's be clear. Even if we were in the East, we're below the playoff line. Okay, we're in exactly the same spot. In fact, we're 10th if we're in the East. Everyone wants to talk about how, oh, New England's about to break the points record for the Supporters Shield and all that other stuff because the East is so bad. They're beating up on all these teams. If we were in the East, we wouldn't be 9th where we are right now. We'd be 10th. <laughs> that's, that's a really good point. There you go. 
That's a very good point. We're, we're, we're just not a good team. It's, I mean, look. And we're, we're going to talk quite you, a bit about you that. You said it earlier, and, and we'll kind of set it up for some stuff we're going to talk about later. With all the bodies, I feel like it's, was it was it Puddle of Mud or Disturbed? Who, who lets the bodies hit the floor? I forget uh, who. Drowning Pool, Drowning actually. Pool. Thank you. Let I forgot the bodies hit the floor. which band that opens up for a 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 And actually, it's funny that you mentioned that, because I'm sure that one of those bands opened up for the other one of those bands. Because they're pretty much. They all played at. Knot fest or whatever, and <laughs> the, the Slipknot. We might see him at the bank fairly soon. Right, exactly. Maybe the I, day after. Maroon I feel 5. like that should be the theme song for LAFC this season. Let the bodies hit the floor because all that we've had happen to us this season has been bodies hitting the floor. Whether it's Carlos Vela for a myriad of times, Eddie Segura, Edward Atuesta, who's been out. We're talking about guys who not just contribute in the starting 11, we're talking about some of the best players at their position in Major League Soccer. So the bodies have hit the floor, Philly, and unfortunately for us now, the body count is starting to pile up. Coming into the match, we needed this one. We don't have many more matches at home. We don't have many more matches in the season, right? And to build some momentum going into Carson was a vital piece of this puzzle. It is very safe to say we are not building any momentum after this loss to Portland. No, not not at all. And we were going to talk about player availability. Like, it's good that Edward Atuesta made his presence onto the pitch. Because had he not, well, I would have ventured to say that the team that is either questionable or out stands a much better shot in making the playoffs than the product that is on the pitch. Going down the list, you see Rod, Brian Rodriguez. Think what you want about him, but he he's, look, he's far more talented than a lot of our forwards. Edward Atuesta, he was on the questionable list, but he played, so we can't count him. Opoku showed some flashes of brilliance. Carlos Vela, well, we remember him being good at some point. We remembered him caring at some point. Alvaro Quesada, well, can't say we've seen much of him. Tristan Blackman, a guy who's played quite a bit. Eric Duenas, yeah, he's played a bit. Julian Gaines, we haven't seen him at all because, I don't know, maybe an hour it seemed after he signed with LAFC. Oh. Pelvic stress fracture. Every time you say those three words. In I don't know, order. man. Perhaps he got excited with a significant other after he signed an LAFC contract, and that's how he sustained his pelvic stress fracture injury. I can't help but cackle anytime I look at this injury. But the player that to me is the most vital, and I don't mean Carlos Vela, the player to me that is the most important player that was on the bench and is hurt for the rest of the season, Eddie Segura. Our back line has gone to Swiss cheese ever since Eddie Segura has been out. We we were okay. We weren't conceding as many goals. Sure. But Eddie Segura, an anchor, my friend, a freaking anchor, one of the best defenders in Major League Soccer. So just going through that list right there, this team seems a lot better that is hurt than the team that we saw on the pitch healthy. Philly, I have, you mentioned this is going to be a little more gloves off than we normally are, and I want to throw something out there. I have an issue with something, and I have an issue Ooh, with something tell. that do I tell. think a lot of our fan base has an issue with. And look, a lot of the times, I, I, I take a much more tempered view than, than our fan base does. In fact, you guys know it took me forever to get off of the Team Brian bandwagon. <laughs> I, I am very clearly off of it now, but I would love to see him come back and do well, and I will begin driving that bandwagon yet again if we'd like. <laughs> Brian. Here's my issue. We need to start having people lead by example. And unfortunately, all of our leaders have been out or heard or traded to Colorado or Nashville or wherever else. But one of our leaders 
supposedly leaders, was in the building tonight. Yeah, we saw him. We rode the elevator up with him. He wasn't down on the pitch with his teammates. He wasn't doing everything he can that you would want a leader to do. Look, I I imagine, and I could be wrong, but I imagine that Diego Valeri, on the opposite side of the aisle from LAFC today, Diego Valeri, a player who in a Portland Timbers uniform has put through 100 goals and 100 assists in his Timbers career. I imagine a player like Diego Valeri, if he's unavailable, but yet upright and mobile like we saw Carlos Vela was, he would be on the bench. Now look, if anybody knows Diego Valeri personally and knows that I am completely wrong, please let me know. I don't know Diego Valeri personally, and this may shock you, I don't follow Timbers. However, you see the leadership when a Diego Valeri checks into a match and the whole match changes. Now you have the guy who's taking all of your set pieces. Now you have the guy who's down on the ground leading the charge to stay on the ground as long as possible for the last 30 minutes of the match. You have a guy who's leading by example out there in every way, shape, or form. And by the way, when Diego Valeri was not in the match because he didn't check in until after the 50th minute, I watched Diego Valeri because, Philly, you and I saw Carlos Vela. I decided to watch him during the match, what he was doing for the first 50, 55 minutes. He was up talking to people, the assistant coaches. He never approached Giovanni Savarese. It's a weird thing. You don't go up there until you like kiss the ring. It's like a Portland Timbers thing. I don't know. No one approached Giovanni Savarese. Or Timbers Savarese. Johnny. But he was coaching from the sidelines. He was talking to the other players who weren't warming up with him. He was being a leader by example in really small ways, right? And you and you brought up something that we'll talk about after the first goal with Chicho, which I really liked. And I, I want you to mention that for sure. But I'm just so frustrated with wanting there to be leadership on this team and not seeing it. We talked about it on the 110 football postgame show. Stephen Betashore was a leader. Mark Anthony Kay was a leader. Walker Zimmerman was a leader. Lee Wynn was a leader. Okay, These are players. By the way, can we just talk about this? We mentioned a white guy, a Middle Eastern guy, a Vietnamese guy, and a black guy. So this isn't just some white guy talking about how they need to have white guy leaders on the team, because that's surely not the case. We had four different guys who I just talked about from four different backgrounds become leaders on this team. At times, we've seen Jose Cifuentes be a leader. At times, we've seen Edward Atuesta be a leader. But they're also coming back from their different injuries. They're also learning how to play in Major League Soccer after just a season or two. It is so frustrating to me to know that our leader, our de facto best player and MLS face of the league is in the building, and yet not once did they show him on the Jumbotron, because I think they know what the fan reaction would be as of right now. Yeah. Not once did he go down during the match to let his boys know, hey, I'm here. I got your back. Even in a losing effort. I mean, heck, if he goes down after the 59th minute, it'd be like Willis Reed coming out of the New York Knicks locker room. Ooh, you're bringing up the 70s. I would love for that to happen. God forbid Carlos Vela inspires someone on this team. But you know what, Philly? Uh, What you and I have come to the conclusion of? It's no longer... Carlos Vela's team. No, and it hasn't been for a long while. And look, we've advocated for him, and this isn't like the anti-Carlos Vela podcast at any point. 
So we flash backwards to the COVID cup. He didn't want to come to Orlando because his wife was going through a difficult pregnancy. Okay. Family comes first. We get that. Always. No problems. He steps foot against the galaxy on the pitch, gets hurt, whatever. Nurses himself back, starts to have a good run of form. We make a deep run in CONCACAF Champions League. Excellent. Over the course of the offseason, he's talking LA Times. He's talking to everybody's favorite reporter. I say that tongue-in-cheek, Kevin Baxter, telling us all we want to hear. He's hungry for trophies. He wants to have a repeat of 2019. Excellent. He gets hurt. Fine. It is what it is. His stats, pretty good for the fact that he hasn't really played all that much. Sure. But I have to tell you, I had lost so much respect for him. When during the time that LAFC was playing Portland a couple of weeks ago, or a week ago, or I don't know, I've lost track of time. Photos of him at the Grove. Okay, look. Injured players don't travel with teams. That's fine. Yeah. But at the very least, you think that he would care enough. And I don't know, maybe the timing was ill. I, I don't want to say anything about it. But he wasn't watching a game. He, he probably was just out not caring, living his life. Okay, it's fine. So be it. But then, yes, you and I saw him on an elevator going up to where? Where do we sit? Founders Club. Why? He has a suite there. I don't know if I was supposed to blow up that spot, but that's, but that's a fact. Yeah, a lot of players and families and wives and sons and daughters are up there. When Mark Anthony K was hurt, when he had his little like really thing, his scooter, he was down on the field. A lot of these guys are down on the field, not in the suite. Yes, I'm sure he probably wanted to hang out with his wife and kid, no problem. But you want to talk about being a leader? A leader doesn't mean you're going to hide in your suite when your team's trying to find form, when your team's trying to find an identity, when your team is fighting to live, living the fight for another day so that maybe, just maybe, when your quad heals, you'll be able to come back and give us a little bit more pep and a little bit more of an offensive power. No. And you know what? We didn't sit next to him, but I would venture to guess that he wasn't fully integrated into the matches as much as he probably was just looking into his phone. I love Carlos Vela. I'll always love Carlos Vela, and I will forever appreciate the efforts of Carlos Vela. But the past couple of weeks' worth of actions goes to show me that, you know what? I don't care if he plays for Western Sydney in the Hyundai A-League in Australia next season. I don't think he's going to be part of LAFC next season. And if he comes back this season, it is not his team. Anyway, we've kind of gone off on a tangent on Carlos Vela, but there's so much more to talk about. But I like the fact that our gloves are off and we're being real. You know, right now. it's not it, that we haven't been, but this is different. Look, the way that I categorized it on the 110 football show today was simply this We talked about expected goals versus actual goals. As the gap has widened this season with each progressive match between expected goals and actual goals, the frustration level for this fan base, for our supporters of this club, even supporters, we're not just talking about the people that post on the LASC fans page, hashtag Bob out, then you ask why. Because Bob's a bad coach and I want somebody else. I don't like his tactics. Right? Like, they, they don't actually tell you why. They think what they think. They're just, you know. They're just parrots, parrots, man. They're they're keyboard cowboys, and it's a lot easier to say something when you don't have to back it up someone's face. We're talking about actual supporters. This is a frustrating season for the actual supporters. And I said this on the 110 football show, and I want to say it one more time before we delve into the actual match. We have played 
in front of Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night crowds, those midweek game crowds at Bank, several times. And you know what? Sometimes the 3252 has been okay. Sometimes they've been the 3252. Well, tonight, make no mistake about it. If the players needed to find an extra gear, an extra bit of motivation, an extra something to dig deep down for, it was absolutely coming from the 3252 tonight. Despite parts of the bank being barely full, and despite after that 60th minute or so when Portland scored, several of the people that were probably only there to film it on their Instagram and have a cool story <laughs> left the building. Well, thank you. You paid our club. Appreciate that. Shove off. As those people left, the 3252 got louder. As those people left, the 3252 got more cohesive. As those people left, Cassie and the rest of all the drummers that are up there tonight got louder. And I have to say, very few matches have I left going, you know what? The players needed to respond to the 3252 better tonight. I thought tonight, the 3252 did everything our players could have needed from them to find that little extra something, and they didn't do it. And how they didn't do it well, I'll is what you. we're going to talk about during this game recap. Philly? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, the 32-52 was out in full effect. Look, we talk about this. We, we kind of harped on Carlos Vela. Players come and go, but true supporters yeah. are perpetual. And I have no doubt that if, if there's any, good, any MVP that's ever going to come through, even during an offseason, it's going to be the 12th man. So shout out to everybody in the 32-52. You guys were the true rock stars today. So let's get into the lineups. Let's talk about injuries. Well, <laughs> we talk, actually, we talked about it. Portland, about Portland had Atanella out. He had a season-ending right rectus from Morris surgery. Whoa, yeah. family show there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk about a pelvic stress fracture. What happens when a pelvic stress fracture meets a rectus from Morris? I don't know. Weird stuff. Andy Polo, season-ending right quad and knee surgery. Eric Williamson, unfortunate casualty of an ACL tear. So that's the story with Portland. Scarf, why don't you give us the uh, the pesky pine trees lineup? Look, I just Googled this. So I'm going to I mean, this, this will make perfect sense to everybody out there, by the way. The rectus femoris flexes the hip along with the sartorius and iliopsoas oh, and extends the lower leg at the knee, working in conjunction with the other three quadriceps muscles. The rectus femoris muscle antagonizes the hamstring muscles at the knee and the hip. You know what else antagonizes the hamstring muscles? Being overweight. <laughs> Moving on. Portland. We know that they started Steve Clark in goal. Steve Clark starts because Jeff Atanell is hurt with a rectus femoris or something or other. Blah, it just sounds bad. Claudio Bravo, <laughs> Dario Zuparic, Larry Smabiala, Jose Carlos Van Rankin, Diego Chara, Christian Paredes, Yimmy Chara, and yes, they are related. They're brothers. Sebastian Blanco, Dairon Espria, and Felipe Mora, notable names in the 18, Diego Valeri, Jaroslav Nishkoda, Marvin Loria, George Foshive, we remember him, Santiago Moreno, and those are the five that would actually get into the match, Philly. Look, we started off well. We started off with a decent first half. We had Chicho with a shot. I, I want to mention... What about the LFC lineup scarf? 
Oh, I thought you did the LAFC. No, lineup. we talked about so the injury sorry. report. We talked about the injury. No, no, you're sorry. right. It was practically an LAFC I'm lineup. I'm so sorry. I thought you mentioned the lineup. That was just the injury report. Yeah, Philly, no, it's it's quite extensive. Philly, uh, who started in uh, in goal for the black and gold? Oh, we'll address that. But real quick, if you look at ESPN, by okay, the way, okay, I'm looking, and, and you see the way that ESPN has the formations four two three one. I don't believe we started out in a four two three one. I feel like ESPN always. Craps the bed in terms of like putting this, uh, the formation that we have. But anyway. Are you saying they don't devote the resources of the worldwide leader to major league soccer? No, I can't say they, they, they give a hoot, but they Shocking. should. Anyway, making his LAFC debut. There he is. The tallest keeper in LAFC history at a whopping six foot six, which, if I'm not mistaken, was Michael Jordan's height. Yeah. Jamal Blackman. Quite a surprise to see this 27-year-old keeper from England making his start today. We'll talk more about that momentarily. Sebastian Ibiaga, Jesus David Murillo, Chiki Palacios, Mamadou Fall, Jose Cifuentes. Welcome back, El Profi. Thank God at least you're ready to come Yay. back. Edward Atuesta, Pancho Janela, Chicho. Chicho Arango. He's going to keep it going. Um, yeah, I, I just I like Barry Manilow. Uh, Raheem Edwards and uh, making his LAFC debut. I, having- I'm not going to lie, Philly. I think this is our wait. What? what moment of the episode? Because this is a guy who was signed, what, six and a half minutes ago? Yeah, seriously. Michi and Galena. And I got to tell you. I was always under the impression that Bob was rather reluctant to start players who haven't been with this club for a while because he wanted them to just kind of get their feet wet, understand the formation. I don't think Christian Ramirez, Andre Horta, Brian Rodriguez got onto the field as quickly as Miche Galina, but he was a very pleasant surprise. And it was shocking to know that we have two players who are untested, not battle-proven, go up against a tough Portland team, a team that hasn't lost over the course of the past six matches, a team that has gotten red hot. Hell, their last game, they tied a club record by putting up six goals against really salty lake. This Portland team... You know, behind the, the offensive output of Felipe Mora and Dairon Espria and Sebastian Blanco coming back from that ACL surgery, this is a team that's legitimate at this point. And to start an unproven keeper and a, a USL player from the Colorado Switchbacks, I was quite shocked at this lineup. Look, I think the one thing that we learned from the press conference after the match, right, is what Bob said is that Tomas has started something like, what, 17 straight games, I believe, was the was the line, something like that. So I think he looks at this more as being able to give Tomas just a little bit of a rest. At least that's how he characterized it in the press conference. We know that Pablo's been dealing with the nasal fracture. and there But was he's a, still in the 18. Which is so weird that we We keep, wasted another roster spot for three keepers across the board. Yeah, but I'll say this. Who, who else? We, we, we say next man up, right? How many next mans up? Do we have on this roster, we only have two players, by the way, listed as forward in the 18, Philly. We got Moose, we got Latif. And Latif hasn't played forward for us in quite some time. I Heck, wonder what he did to piss Latif off the coaching staff. Latif hasn't played in quite some time. Can someone find the doghouse that Latif is currently living in and help the man get out? We, yeah, he can't be hurt because he's in the freaking 18. Yeah, I mean, I, I What did Latif know. do to piss off Bob and the coaching staff? We, uh, we, we need... We need, we need our, our star man playing on the right. We need the game changer. 
We need that energy out there. We need that eraser of mistakes that Latif Blessing can be. Uh, We'll talk about wanting to erase a mistake in just a little bit, Philly. As we get into the match, look, Chicho had his shooting boots on early, had a ninth-minute shot saved, but the moment of the match that I thought would be the most important to us was not. It turned out not to be. But I was so happy. I mentioned on the LAFC pregame show that LAFC would need to come out and match Portland's physicality. Not all the bleep housery that was going on by Portland for the last 15 or 20 minutes. Not all of that. But the physicality that Portland brings to each and every match. They put the match in the referee's hands at times by going after certain players and fouling them a little bit more often, fouling them a little bit tougher than maybe those players are used to to try to get in their heads. And I thought, Philly, in the 25th minute, after Portland got such an early yellow, I thought, okay, this is it. This is going to be a big deal. Portland won't be able to be as aggressive because Joe Dickinson, that's his actual name, Joe Dickinson is going to call things Scratch this way. Scratch the ensign, and that's really who he was today. All match. He's going to call it this way. And that was like a record skip, because that was the last time he really called the match that way for LAFC. No, without a doubt. Yeah, I mean, Portland's physical with us. We know that. They frustrate us. But we'll, we'll, get, we'll get on that momentarily. I got to say, Michi played aggressively. Yeah. He was a joy to watch. I wasn't expecting really anything from him. But he played with confidence. He played with pizzazz. He played with aggressiveness. He came in, made a couple of good moves, made a couple of nice passes. And you know what? What? In the 26th minute, he almost got on the board. Yeah. Raheem Edwards, who we've, you know, we've been kind of riding this kid, this poor kid's back for, for quite a while, but Raheem had a pretty good first half. He made a couple of really, really nice plays, but Raheem Edwards with a heck of a pass. He connects with Michi, and Michi had a great run. I believe he was on the left side, yep. and he blasts one. If you blinked when his foot connected to the leather of the ball, you would have missed it, but it just came to the left. It hit the side of the netting to the right of Steve Clark, but Michi and Galena, man, I don't know if he had his eyes closed when he kicked out. He was hoping for the best, but he nearly got on the boards really quickly, and I was really happy to see that type of output from this young man this early on within his career with this club. Yeah, look, he did what Bob probably asked him to do. When you get the opportunity, take advantage of it, and he did with that, that run. That was a great play up the left-hand side. It's unfortunate that Cheeky earns a yellow later on in the half he was trying to play the ball, and unfortunately, I believe it was Felipe Mora just ran through his foot and got Cheeky a yellow. Again, though, you mentioned Raheem Edwards with a great pass, but for every time that he does something well, there are the moments where you look at Raheem Edwards and you think, this is the perfect example of a guy who is playing out over his skis every single match. He is going full speed ahead, 132 miles an hour, and just not technically making those plays, those little things that make us better. I I really thought his miss in the 39th minute, if you go back and watch this game, I believe he has a a wide-open header that he just doesn't even put on frame. It's not even close. I think he just missed him, though. Like, Cheeky had the pass to him. Was Raheem even close to heading that ball? Yeah, he must have been the one to make contact because they got a goal kick off of it, and it was so far away from anything related to the goal box, let alone Steve 
Clark and or the woodwork and netting. It was so frustrating, Philly. But you know what? Portland had some good opportunities. LAFC had some good opportunities. And Philly, if we can only just get into the half, nil-nil, we can make our adjustments. Yeah, that wasn't going to happen. And honestly, Philly, we'll talk about how good the adjustments we made were because they were good. Shout out to Bob on that one. Made the right adjustments. Philly, if we can just get into the half. If we can just get into the half, Philly, right? Let's get into the half. Zero, zero. <laughs> nil, no, nil. you're missing something. You're actually missing the first freaking goal of the game. Uh. And it just it sucks that it happened during the time that it did. Uh. So there was a ball that, that, that came in. And I mean, looking back at, at the replay of this, Sebastian Ibiaga didn't exactly have the, uh, the greatest clearance attempt. And that ball happens to find its way in front of Dairon Aspria. He has a nice pass to Yimmy Chara, who, by the way, was part of the most recent MLS team of the week. And Yimmy Chara, who up to this point had four goals on the year, he, I don't want to say he booted the ball hard because, I mean, it was kind of like a... No, uh, he didn't. It was more like a pass. You know, if you think Mighty Ducks when they're, you know, going through the drill, passing like the egg back and forth to each other, it was kind of similar akin to that. He lets one go, but Jamal Blackman, too busy running one direction, didn't have the opportunity to get his hand out to block it. And just like that, Yimmy Chara gets his fifth goal of the season. LAFC falls behind one to nil. And we're going into the locker room, not black and gold, black and blue. Yeah, you know, there was a great replay that I saw of the shot by Yimmy Chara. I didn't realize, even though the guy is 6'6", I didn't realize how much room Yimmy Chara is 6'6"? No, that would be a Are you talking Jamal Blackman? Blackman. I was going to say Yimmy Chara. No, put Yimmy Chara in my pocket. I didn't realize how much room was open on the far side you got to kind of hand it to Yimmy Chara. He was running to his left and curled and took the shot back across his right, across the mouth of goal, which we talk about all the time. Just give your players a chance. Put it across the mouth of the goal. And it, it banks in even off of the, the side crossbar, excuse me, the, uh, the woodwork there, the post. It, it, was, it was a really nice shot. I mean, Blackman... I don't know that he was out of position. I don't know that he was anywhere that he shouldn't have been. He wouldn't have been I, able to make that play. No, nah, he's six six. If he couldn't get to that ball, uh, you just got to kind of tip your hat to Yimmy Chara. But, you know, I really liked what Bob did after halftime. He brought in Moose, Moon, and Marco. He got three M's, all coming <laughs> off the bench. Too bad they weren't as sticky as scotch tape. Oh, goodness. For Chiki Ibeaga. And Michi Galina. Well, were you a little surprised though that Michi came out? Like, did me? Did it warrant yeah, Michi coming out? No, I. I you think, think Michi was in way over his head. I thought he played a pretty. I, I thought Cheeky played all right. I did not think he was in way over his head. I thought he played very well. I was very happy. I thought he with was him. a threat at the very least. But I think that what the coaching staff realizes they got a very good first forty-five minutes out of him, and. As you get a little bit more tape on Galena and what they're probably looking at in the locker room at halftime is ways to exploit the inexperience of Galena. So you bring on a Danny Musovsky, and of course you bring on Kim Moon Juan, and you bring on Marco Farfan. I, I love Kim Moon Juan. I am absolutely on this kid's bandwagon. I think that he's creating far fewer opportunities right now. Maybe it's fatigue. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe Fatigue, what do you mean? I, I, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out a reason why Kim Moon Hwan hasn't been as aggressive offensively regularly as he was previous. And now maybe it's because, again, 
A lot of teams have tape on Kim Moon Wan now, so they're able to kind of take him out physically. But I love the way that Kim Moon Wan responds to physicality. He stands up. He's not a player that rides around on the ground. He stays on his feet. He plays through contact. Philly, it's what you love about Jose Cifuentes so much. It's, it's a player who plays through contact. And I thought, Kim Moon Wan, this is a perfect player to bring on in as Portland is ramping up their physicality because Joe Dickinson has stopped calling things and giving yellow cards. As Portland ramps up their physicality, Moon is a perfect person to have out there who can play through it. Yeah, and, and no doubt. And he did make several good plays. But we go into the second half again with 3M. Again, I can't help but think of scotch tape. Moose, Moon, and Marco. Well done, Scarf. Thank you. Um, we did have a solid 45 from Ingolina. Now, Sebastian Blanco. He's, he's played pretty well, having considering the fact that he's come back from ACL injury. Yeah. You know, he's got a few, you got a, probably, I think he's got three goals on the season. He's got three assists. Like, yeah. not bad. And this is a guy who's one of their killers. And he hasn't even looked like himself this season. No, and, but he still played relatively well, especially over the course of the past six matches in which Portland has not lost. So he got beat up a little bit. He was on the ground a little bit. But, um, you know, he needed to come out, and they substitute one killer. And what by that I mean they, I mean Portland. They substitute one killer for another one. Diego Valeri. And you know what? Up until today, I would say I had a fair amount of respect for Diego Valeri. I'll talk to you about why I don't as much later. But Diego (laughs) Valeri comes in for obviously a a withered and battered Sebastian Blanco. And, uh, you know, all all, all good. Going back into the match, 55th minute, we had a... uh, off a, a great tackle, a turnover forced by the pressure of Sifu. Moose gets on the other end of his pass and takes a shot on a tough angle to get it past Steve Clark for the equalizer scarf. We've got a goal. Danny Musovsky. Danny Musovsky, who, oddly enough, one of our best finishers. If you look at all our players on LAFC, would you ever think that Danny Musovsky would be one of the better finishers on our club? I would not. But I was so beyond excited to see the moose kick Steve Clark in the caboose. We were knocking on the door all throughout the first half. That equalizer couldn't have come at a better time. Danny Musovsky making a great play. Jose Cifuentes. And by the way, you mentioned Kim Moon-Wan. Yes. Kim Moon-Wan did a good job breaking up a play, for a, a ball that came from Clark to, uh, to one of the, uh, the Portland uh, defenders. Moon was there. Sifu rips the ball away, passes it. We get a great goal. One-to-one, baby. Moose! And what I love is that Moose... It's a Moose call, being, right? That was a Moose call. Sure, yes. I, my, I, here's how I do it. Danny! That was my Moose call. Does that work? Does that... No, I mean, I'm, oh. I'm implementing a cow have, in there. That's stupid. We have completely... You know how Max likes to give his goal calls? Yeah! I know so that's kind of like an alarm going off. <laughs> I just want to go, Yeah, I tried. I, I'm just going to let that breathe for a minute. That was a lot. I feel like I exacerbated it by giving you my moose call, and then that distracted you. Then you went down the rabbit Maybe hole. Maybe your moose or, call was more I think of a you, mating call. You went down the moose hole, not the <laughs> rabbit hole. By the way, they play the troubadour tomorrow night down on the moose hole. Uh, so 59th <laughs> minute. We are an hour into the match, Philly. And unfortunately for Jesus David Murillo, about an hour into the match is where he got burnt oh. to a crisp by Felipe Mora. 
It wasn't a foul by Felipe Mora. Felipe Mora didn't tug on his jersey or give him an arm hook or, or do anything physical whatsoever. Portland was not physical at all with this play. Shocking, by the way. It was the absolute guessing wrong by Jesus David Murillo. Okay, let's, let's go back in time here. We, got, we have a lot of Lakers fans that listen to this podcast. We, have, we might even have some Lakers listen to this podcast. Carmelo, if you're listening, you're my favorite college player of all time. That being said... Carmelo, I despise you. You were the most overrated Nick of all time. <laughs> Ignore that last part, Carmelo. We love you. So... <laughs> he does. Carl Malone, back in the day, whoever he was defending against the post... See, Carl Malone was a big guy, but he wasn't really a tall guy. Had to use his, his wits. And when he wasn't hunting for squirrel in the offseason, <laughs> he was using his wits on an NBA basketball court. And he did something called pulling the chair. So what you're saying is he wasn't a postal delivery man? He was not. He Didn't they did, call him the mailman? They did, but he did something called pulling the chair. And what he would do is, on a much bigger player, he would feel where the pressure was coming from. He'd put some pressure right in that area, but at the last second, he'd pull away for just a second, right as that player would look to lean back on him. And that player would fall down and be called for a traveling violation, often a turnover. Jesus David Mario had the chair pulled on him by Felipe Moore. And we're not talking about like a, like a wrestling chair. He's going to get hit in the head with it, but you know what? He might as well have been. With that one. Murray guesses wrong. Oh, boy. Off to the races goes Felipe Mora. Bangs one off the post, thank goodness. And how sad is it, by the way, that with a soccer ball at his feet, he is still faster than Jesus David Murillo, who was trying to catch him without said soccer ball, was trying to grab him, (laughs) likely going to get himself either a yellow or a red, but he didn't do it because he couldn't even catch the guy. Bangs it off the post. And sitting there, waiting for the rebound, is Dairon Espria. And what made matters worse, Philly, as Murray is racing back, coming out is Blackman to try and cut off the angle, which he must have done a good enough job that at six foot six, he's got to bang it off the post, right? Moore bangs this one off the post. So good job. Jamal did his job. Murray, you didn't get burnt for a goal. But in his haste, in running as quickly as he could and out of control with his hair on fire, he gets his feet tangled up in Blackman, and Blackman couldn't even get up to try and get the rebound. It just, I don't even know what to do. It's becoming too regular of a thing. I don't know how many good games Murray has had since the All-Star break, but I can count them on one hand. And just like that, Philly, the same damn scoreline, the same damn movie plays out again, the same damn way. Portland scores, we score. Portland scores after we do. Ball game. So, so let me get this straight. Yes. A team that lets the opposing team control possession and waits for them to make a mistake, happen to catch said team making a mistake. Yes. And the first player on that counter happened to be their leading scorer with 11 goals. Yes. Who bang one off the post, and that ball ricochets to the team's second leading scorer. Yes. With seven goals, I think eight at this point, and they score... Giovanni Savarese played his strategy to a T. Yeah. We talked about it in the pregame show. You, how, how are you going to shut down Portland? Well, Felipe Mora and Espria. Espria gets an assist for the first goal, then gets the second goal. Yep. The team MVP and Felipe Mora, there was no way Murray was catching him. So the two guys they needed to be the most concerned with, the two guys that they needed to stick to more than anybody else on the field, with the exception of maybe Yimmy Chara, they, they couldn't, they couldn't, and just like that, two to one, again, 
the third time in a row with this team. Yeah. Scarf, can you believe we have not beaten Portland since September of 2020? That's a full calendar year, my friend. And, and it's going to continue to extend that way. Yes, we lost three times to them this season. And after September, going between October and November, we drew Portland. So a team that we were able to defeat on a number of occasions is now a thorn, for lack of a better term, in our side. Portland, the pesky pine trees, up two to one. All right, so look, we had a penalty overturned by VAR in the 73rd minute. We went back and looked. Yeah, it was the right call. It was the right call. Okay, we were kind of pissed. Chicho was ready to take one. I was actually at the top of Founders where we were sit, we were standing. I think we banished you to the bar. You did, you did. I was banished you... for part of the game because they scored when I went to go grab a drink, and when I got back, Portland scored, so I was told to go away. We used to and... do that to Panda last season. You're Scarf. You're the new Panda. Yeah. Look, I'm I went not taking away. you home with me. By the way, I, I was no, thank you. I was talking to Haley up at the top. My rep, Haley, is fantastic. Okay, we were talking up there. And Haley was super I had a excited. Good rep once. She was, oh, she was. That was out loud. She was giving a tour to a couple of her friends that were there, and she was really excited. She's like, "You guys have to watch. It's going to be a penalty kick. It's going to be a penalty kick. It's going to be great." And then Joe Dickinson goes to VAR, and Haley's like, "Oh, okay, okay, hold on." I go, "No." I turn to Haley. I said, "Haley, they only go to VAR when they're going to overturn it." Yep, and, and it uh, usually does get overturned in yeah. those circumstances. And, and so they overturned it. Let's be real, Philly. After the penalty, or lack thereof, LAFC did not have another meaningful chance through the entire rest of the game. There were several crosses, by the way, that Portland got on the other end of that should have very easily made it 3-1, if not even 4-1. This game should have been an afterthought for Portland, and they should have been much more comfortable at the end than they were. But here's the moment that I want to talk about, Philly, that I want you to expand on if you don't mind. Oh, okay. Okay. What are you setting me up for now? We get to the 90th minute. That third official gets out his board, and he puts up, not one, not three, not five, not seven, nine minutes of stoppage time. Philly, would you care to elaborate to the millions? And millions. As to why this match would need nine, and it eventually got ten minutes of stoppage time. With so much injury time, you would anticipate that somebody cracked their skull open or, or, or twisted their knee or, or sprained their ankle. If you remember Kevin Ware from the Louisville Cardinals, oh, the NC, uh, just really? a freakish ankle injury. Oh. You figure something like that would warrant nine minutes of injury time? No. We talked about Diego Valeri subbing in for Sebastian Blanco. Yes. Diego Valeri was a pain in the ass today not because of his play but because of his perpetual crying and his perpetual falling we talk about portland we hate portland we refer to them as the pesky pine trees but they were more like pine cones they weren't portland timbers today why because timbers those types of trees like portland timber like stand up they stand up they're strong it was more like the weeping willows that's how Portland played the last 15 to 20 minutes of this match. On their backs, crying like little whiny children, with Diego Valeri basically being the spearheaded person doing all of that. It was disgusting. Time after time after time after time again, on the ground, wasting time. 
But you'd think that with nine minutes to go, LAFC would do something to capitalize on this. They had one attempt. They did. But I kind of want to go backwards a little bit. Okay. I know how much you love Raheem Edwards. I know how much so many people within the black and gold community love Raheem Edwards. I, I, I do the not. The 82nd minute scarf, I, I don't he like, had an opportunity. I don't like Raheem He had a ball that went to him. Yeah. He, with his foot, he passed he, it out. He shouldn't be on the He team. had a wide open look and he didn't take it. He's wildly inconsistent. He's had plenty of shots to go above the target. That was his opportunity. To score a goal. Philly, I have a question. When is the next expansion draft, and when can we expose him? Uh, well, what we have Charlotte and St. Louis coming, abo- uh, coming aboard relatively soon. If so. anybody knows people in Charlotte or St. Louis, can you start talking up? Just go around casually at bars. Just mention, hey, so I know this guy, Raheem Edwards. Let me tell you how great he is. If we lose him in the expansion draft... I promise you this. If we lose you Raheem Edwards... back and take him to the airport. I, not only will I drive him to the airport... I promise you guys, I will throw a party myself at Party Beer Co. (laughs) We will have a send-off party at Party Beer Co. With their golden ale and their IPAs and their great slushies. We love our friends at Party Beer Co. I'm done with Raheem Edwards. God, your voice is hoarse because I think everybody in the state... Oh my God, I yelled that so loud. Oh man, it was was, was stupid loud. But here's the funny part. Yes. When you said that, I saw a bunch of heads nod in agreement and acknowledgement. Look, I I don't normally come out with such disdain for certain players. Lord knows. I I don't think I've I've really been this hard on any single player. I was... I was I was the damn Brian Rodriguez bandwagon. It was just me. You were the last Brian Rodriguez. There was Brian like a wheel and a half left, and one of them was like, it was just, it was bad, right? Like it was a jalopy. Okay, it was it was a mess. <laughs> However, far from Nugan, perfect Nugan. If anybody wants to let me know how we can make this work, can we can we buy out his contract? Can we? He's not. I I I can't. I can't watch Raheem Edwards play with his hair on fire. And then wind up either turning over the ball or for some reason taking on three and four and five defenders, seeing he can dribble through a bunch of different people. Or like you said, where he gets this beautiful pass and at least one time it, put it on frame, make the keeper do something. Instead, he passes it completely out to the top of the box where now Portland already has six, seven, eight, nine guys in the box at this point. Raheem, do us a favor. Fake an injury. Do something. I can't right now. I, I just can't with Raheem. I'm so frustrated. I, look, Raheem is a professional athlete and in infinitely better shape than I will ever be. Raheem has minutes in Major League Soccer. I have minutes talking about Major League Soccer. Let's be very real here. <laughs> I understand that Raheem That's has funny. gone through a journey to get to the place where he has, and that should be celebrated. Hell yeah. I will not be the one celebrating it. Yes. You, you, you aren't wrong. You aren't wrong. So I can't. Well, all right, so I'll 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 take it from here, Scarf. It's Go okay. ahead. So as far as in the injury time is concerned, uh, we had an opportunity in which Kim Moon Hwan had a good shot. He blasted one, but unfortunately, Steve Clark was there to sort of thwart that effort. And uh, you know, the exception of a couple of like falls to the ground by Portland, that was really it. That was it. 
They that spent the whole it. time on the ground, Philly. Oh, God. Again, the weeping willows. We call them the pesky pine trees. They are the weeping willows of Oregon. Forget even saying Portland anymore. <laughs> I think people in Portland have more intestinal fortitude than their timbers. They have today. like, what was that? The Desperate Housewives? That sounded like one of those, like, de- the weeping willows of Oregon. The weeping willows. <laughs> hey, there you go. There <laughs> the you go. There, there's our idea. So just like that, LAFC lose. Yet another match, not only to Portland, but you lose yet another match in terms of Major League Soccer. So now we have seven matches to go. Do we still have an opportunity to make the playoffs? Yeah. 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 But it's razor freaking thin. It is. And quite honestly, I don't even understand why any of us would really be shocked at this point at the result of this game. If anything, Scarf... We've been kind of like, you know, negative. I'm going to be glass half full for a bit, and I'll tell you why. All right. What could we expect from a USL team against the fourth place team in Major League Soccer? You're absolutely right. Okay, so we look on the field. We have, you know, a couple Montverde kids on there. We have, you know, we have a brand new player from the Colorado Switchbacks. We bring in Bryce Duke. Our score of the game came from from Reno, whatever, 911. I forget the name of the team. Reno 911 is the default. You look around, and there's a sprinkle of Atuesta and a sprinkle of Chicho and a sprinkle sprinkle of Sifu. But if you look around, there is a lot of kids, there's a lot of people on that pitch that are USL talents. All right? The team on the field would have probably destroyed Phoenix Rising. But we could not have expected the third and fourth player, best player at that position on this team to go out there and give Portland a run. So I'm going to tip my hat off to this LAFC squad because they battled Scarf. They fought. You can't say that they gave up. You can't say that they didn't try. But they weren't as talented as Portland, and it's impossible for this collection of kids to be that way. We have a great squad. I love Moose. I love some of the options that we have. But these aren't people that would normally play consistently. We just have far too many players out. So my glass half full perspective is the fact that Portland might have won, but Portland beat a USL side. And our USL side gave Portland a pretty good run for their money. I'm going to give myself a new nickname, Philly. You have been prone to, at times, giving yourself several new nicknames. Yes, I'm going to give myself a new nickname. Ooh, I you ready do for this? Declare. I'm going to give myself the nickname of the Emperor. Well, yep. I mean, not the, bashful, not, yeah, not at all. The Emperor. Not, let, me, let, me, let me tell you why. I'm going to go back to Hans Christian Andersen a little bit, if you don't mind. So, so not the Emperor's new groove. No, so no, no. So you're not going to turn into a llama. But no, but I, I am going to mention the Emperor's new clothes. <laughs> Naked. Because I'm Please starting to on. feel, if you don't know the story of the Emperor's New Clothes by Hans Christian Andersen, it takes about four minutes to read it online. You can find it online because it was written so long ago it is now public domain. You can go ahead and read The Emperor's New Clothes. It basically goes like this. The emperor loves his clothes so much he spends all his money, all his time on being elaborately dressed, right? And so at some point, the emperor gets convinced by all the people around him that his clothes are beautiful, his clothes are beautiful, his clothes are beautiful, but he's not wearing any clothes. He gets duped that, oh, the, these are, it's an excellent pattern. They're beautiful colors. There's, oh, it's, they pointed to, to these, these empty looms, right? They, they made the emperor see something that wasn't there. And he had all these yes people around him that said, oh, yes, the clothes are beautiful, the clothes are beautiful, the clothes are beautiful. And finally, it was a little child is the last one to say it, but the emperor doesn't have any clothes on. And so 
At the end of the story, the emperor shivers and realizes, wait a minute, maybe these people are, are right at last. But what does the emperor do? He's in the middle of a procession. The whole town is there. He thinks, you know what? The procession must go on. So he walked more proudly than ever did that emperor, even after the realization, even after the realization that there was nothing there. And behind him, his nobleman held up the train to a garment that wasn't really there. The emperor doubled, tripled, and quadrupled down after he realized even he realized he didn't have any clothes on. I've been saying this season, don't worry. We're still mathematically there. We're still only four points out. We've still got a chance. We're a really good team. We're ju- we just didn't play like it tonight. Philly, I feel like the emperor. I feel like I'm going to look down at the end of the season, and I'm using this metaphorically, Philly, don't worry, but I'm going to be naked. I'm going to realize that, you know what? We weren't really even a good team all along. We were a patchwork. We were an island of misfit toys. Mm. And I was relying on what I saw 2018, 2019, Champions League 2020. And unfortunately, 2021 just wasn't the season to be. However, (laughs) I think you're saying that more than I do these days. I do. We are still not mathematically eliminated. (laughs) I am still thinking that I am wearing these beautiful new garments. Philly, we managed not to lose a ton of ground despite the loss. So many other results broke our way. Vancouver drew their match against Houston. Nil-nil, which I'm sure was riveting to watch. Vancouver, Houston, no goals. Blah. But Vancouver jumps us. They had 33 points. Now they have 34 because you get one for drawing, even if you don't score. San Jose got absolutely boat raced by Seattle 3-1. So they stay back of us, 33 points technically behind us in 10th, which means we're ninth. But here's the crazy thing, you guys. We're only four points back of Minnesota in 7th. We're only five points back of Carson, who we play next in 6th. In and we're only six points back of RSL in 5th. It is crazy to think this. I know, I know I'm probably not wearing any new clothes as the emperor, but we could finish in the fifth spot still. In the fifth spot. Okay, I appreciate your optimism. Thank and you. I appreciate the fact that you used the Emperor's New Clothes as a metaphor. I tried. I certainly appreciate the fact that you weren't using this as a potential excuse to not do your laundry. No. Uh, I, I appreciate I the story. Clothed. I appreciate going back to my youth and reliving the uh, the, the literary uh, amazingness of Hans Christian Andersen. Thank you. This is the kind of stuff that you get on Defenders of the Bank, folks, by the way. <laughs> Hans Christian Andersen, all kinds of fun banter, stories, education, you know. I'm going to give the millions and million. another fun bit of education. You know, we refer to the Chicho, you know, Arango song. Chicho, Chicho, Arango. <laughs> the Barry Manilow Copacabana song. Yes. You know the jingle, like a good neighbor? State, State Farm, Farm is, is there. there. Barry Manilow, folks, wrote that jingle. Yes, not only did he write hit songs, he fun wrote jingles. Fun facts with Philly. Fun facts at Defenders of the Bank. But uh, you're, look, you're right. You're right. We're, we're, we're not out of this. So we, we don't need to destroy the ship yet. I'm not the emperor Chicago yet. Fire, Chicago Fire. Fired their gaffer, yeah. Uh, but obviously, C- Cincinnati Yopstam got fired this week. Yeah, but these are teams that had no shot in hell at doing anything postseason. <laughs> so at that point, why not? I understand where we are. I don't want to address the Bob in and Bob out scenario, but I mean, not since yet. we have a chance, don't worry. There's no sense in you know so cutting you're the head off. There's a chance. But let me ask you though. Yes. 
The chance itself. Yes. Let's just say we scratch, claw, bite, tooth our way into the playoffs. Yes. And yet we still have our main guns out hurt. Yes. We, fine. We succeed in the sense that we continue our streak of playoffs, which in a way you can nod your head. But this is a team that expects trophies, expects greatness. We're going to be a sacrificial lamb one way or another. And you know what? Being a glass half full guy, uh-huh. I just I don't believe that this is a team that's going to give us any success. All right. Let alone the rest of the season, let alone the postseason. But if they could come out of Carson on Sunday with a big win, I don't even think I'd care if they didn't make the playoffs. I, like if they beat the Galaxy 5 nothing in Carson <laughs> yeah, and we didn't huge. make the playoffs... I'd be cool with that. So let's I'd be consider real. it. A, I'd consider it a win. Also, by the way, that would be our first ever win at Carson. Well, that's another we never thing. Won at that Carson. would be dynamite if we could. It would do be that. huge. But let me let me throw something out there, Philly. We started today's podcast about an hour ago. An hour and four minutes and sixteen seconds. We started today's podcast, Philly, talking about a Tom Brady loss. Oh my God! A are loss. We, are we really doing this? Oh, we are. Because I'm about to bring up. Two more. Tom Brady. Oh. Losses. I don't know who I hate more today. The Losses. Portland or your, your Tom Brady Here's stuff. the thing. Your New York Giants. What? I know you're not a Giants fan. No, I've never been a Giants fan. He is fan. a Jets very much. Fan. The New York Giants backed into the playoffs in two separate occasions as the wild card team. Had no business being in the playoffs barely above 500 with the bad manning at quarterback. <laughs> That would be Eli. And yet, Philly, both of those seasons, including the greatest regular season team in NFL history, the undefeated 18-0 coming into the Super Bowl, you, you want to talk about a devastating loss when you are the bandwagon leader for the greatest living American, and they lose the Super Bowl to fall to 18-1 and in a regular season? Thank you, David and, Tyree. Right? David Tyree and was it Mario Manningham? Was that the other guy? I'll just, I'll just remember David Tyree getting the ball caught in his helmet. Tom Brady lost two Super Bowls to, to, to a team, the New York Giants, that had no business even being in the playoffs that year. So you're saying there's a chance. You're, what I'm all, you're also talking this, about Philly, a team that did feature Hall of Famers. What I'm saying is this, Philly. If we back our way into the playoffs, 2018... We had a little bit of pressure on us, but not really. We were playing with house money. 2019, all the pressure in the world. 2020, they're still LAFC. They still have Carlos Vela. They still have Diego Rossi. Still pressure on us. What kind of pressure do we have if we can just make it in the playoffs? None. We're playing with house money. We play loose. We play fun. Now, if we can avoid the seventh seed so we don't play Seattle in the first round, sure. All of a sudden, Philly, you start building the train, the momentum, baby. You get a win under your belt. You get a second win under your belt. You make your way into the playoffs by forging a tough path for yourself. And you realize that all the adversity, all the animosity, all the crap that we went through all season, we made our goal of at least making the playoffs, giving ourselves a chance. Who's to say that this couldn't be the craziest thing of all, Philly? Where we started this whole journey this year with New England, at the bank. It's true. What if we, and now it'll probably be in New England, right? In the, wait a minute, house that Tom Brady built, oh. Gillette Stadium. Who's to say, Philly, we can't go there 
and ruin more memories for Boston and the New England Revolution, why the hell not? You're right. Why the hell not? And you know what? As you were talking about this, you were, you were, t- you were preaching hope. And hope is, uh, you know, something that we all need in our lives in order to get through some difficulties. Look, jobs are on the line for LAFC. Players' transfer values are on the line with LAFC. Supporters' patience is on the line with LAFC. But if I can hearken back to my journey one week ago in Orlando at the Mouse House, supposedly the happiest place in the world, (laughs) unless you are the one paying for it, right? I I, I, uh, defer to the words of the great Jiminy Cricket. When you wish upon a star, LAFC in the playoffs might go very far. All right, I'm kind of reaching for that one. You did a little bit. Yeah, I did. I'm trying. But look, yeah, I realistically, what does your gut tell you? My gut tells me, eh, eh. I want it. It's, it's, look, here's the thing about this team, right? If they were bad and they would get decimated, it would just be funny to make fun of them. But they don't get decimated, and they do play entertaining football, and they give us that shred of hope that just somehow gets annihilated by, by a, a come-from-behind, not a come-from-behind, but you know, a, a go-ahead goal moments after we, we tie the game. I, it, it's a frustrating thing, um, you, and I just totally lost my train of thought. No, but you, you asked what I think. Yeah, all right, fine, cool. You mentioned, Philly, we have it's seven. It's two in the morning, so my head's going You up. mentioned we have seven games left. Yeah, we got seven games left, I and we're four those, points behind. So, yeah, we, we, got, we got a shot. I, I look at those seven games, okay? I look at those seven games. I see two teams that I can say, without a doubt, are better than us. Two Seattle teams. and Sporting Kansas City. No, I would say three. Colorado Rapids, we, I think, are much better than us, too. We don't play sporting the rest of the way out. Oh, I, oh you're talking about our schedule. Okay, schedule. My, my bad. I thought you meant teams in the conference. Yeah, okay. no. We play Carson next. You think that team, we're, they've lost, what, seven straight at this point? Or winless in their last seven, I should say? I think they I had a draw or two in there. Too. San Jose, Probably a team that we absolutely team. should have beaten. And a team that we play confident against. And that's at home. We have the Earthquakes at home. At Dallas, noon. Dallas is a team that has been a dumpster fire. Yeah, that's second a half sh- of the year. crap team. Minnesota. If I see Tyler Miller in goal and I'm LAFC, I want to shoot all day. They know his weaknesses. Okay. Sounders, better than we are. Going to be a rough game. Hope for the best. Maybe they're resting players because they're trying to get ready for the playoffs. Nah. Then we play Vancouver on November 1st. Tell me there's something about Vancouver that scares you. Absolutely nothing. But they are ahead of us in the playoff race. But they don't scare me. That decision. To, oh, my God. Philly. November 7th up in Colorado. Philly. Philly. I'm going to put it out there in the universe in hopes that the soccer gods strike it down with horror. Could Mark Anthony K be the deciding factor? Of LAFC not making the playoffs. Every action causes an equal, if not bigger reaction. Some butterfly wings was flapping somewhere. And could Steven Batershort on the back line for Colorado? They get the late winner. I mean, how about wouldn't that ba- how, about be, ba- how about baited a K for the winner? Wouldn't that just be a fitting end to our season? Where, all right, we go in, Trinidad and Tobago. All we need is a result. All we need is a result. A win or a draw. And we get Mark Anthony Cade and Steven Batershort. It's beta time. At the playoffs? I'm not going to lie, Philly. <laughs> I think, you know, it, I, I, I can see that happening. If that's the way our season ends, if that's the harakiri that we have to fall on, I, I think it'd be worth it. I, I kind of want to see it happen. But that being said, to answer your question, 
I think we make the playoffs. I think we finish seventh. I think we play Seattle. I think we get boat raced. I think our season's over. Yeah, sacrificial lamb if we make the playoffs. I, I, I would agree with but that. But I think we make the playoffs. Well, I, I, I sure hope so. I sure hope so. Um, and the way it's going, it's not going to be a Bank of California stadium, so Lord knows we are not <laughs> going to have to pay for that match. Those In fact, if LAFC expensive. makes the playoffs, we're not going to be playing paying for a playoff match because there's no way in hell it's going to be at the Bank. Because yeah, um, LAFC is going to be like one of the lowest seeds, one of the one of the crap seeds yep. going in one way Unless or another. Unless it's somewhere close. You and I are probably not going to be able to catch a playoff match in person. I do want to say this. I will be... Uh, I'm going to be hanging out with your good buddy, Gio Garcia, Philly. Ah, uh, yeah. What's I, up? Shout out, Gio I, Garcia. I, I'm going to go toe-to-toe with our friend, uh, our friend over at the Galaxy. Why do you continue to do this? Because I have fun with it. I hate... No, not <laughs> Gio. Just the, the other schmuck. I, I, I hate that guy. Like, yeah. I feel like if I would ever go toe-to-toe with him, I would literally just create a caricature and, and, and just make fun of him. I would sit there with a turtleneck in the blazer and, and have my cup and go, I, I'm drinking the tears of, of LAFC fans because we've been here since 96, five trophies. We're, we're the race. <laughs> I hate that schmuck so much. I would probably rather just meet him in an alley and, and, and settle our differences Yeah, this, this, this is the difference, by the way, between and you're doing and this scarf. again. When? Uh, this will be tomorrow. This will be, well, uh, today. Later today. It is 2 in the morning. This will be today. Uh, Gio is going to have me on. We're going to talk a little bit about everything coming into the match. Well, he's smart to have you on because at least you are a smart representation <laughs> of, of, of Ellis. Not to say that the other people that have gone on aren't because, like, no, they're I great. can't say I paid it. Look, I can't say I paid attention to they're a great. lot of them. They're um, great. I have a really good time talking LAFC, talking black and gold. And, and look, it, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I do want to say a, a shout-out to Satoshi as well. Yeah, we uh, saw him again. We, we met him at the All-Star Game. We saw him after we met him over at the All-Star Game, uh, a good buddy of, uh, of Benny Trance, of course. And Benny, we know you listen to the podcast. We love you, buddy. Thank you for listening. And, and just one last thing before we, before we do sign off. I want to say a, a hello to our friend Rachel, who we finally got to see today after, after quite some time. We miss Rach. So we do. And, and, and I also want to acknowledge the passing of our friend Dina, too, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, I mean. That was a rough one. Look, our, our, our friends Ron and Karen are going through it right now, so we're, we're sending up prayers. We're sending up love to the both of you. We know that you guys are experiencing some stuff. Uh, there's just a lot going on right now, man. Everybody needs to find the positive, find the good, find the hope in something. Unfortunately, it's harder and harder to do at Bank California Stadium the way we're playing right now. But again, seven games left, plenty left to play for. At least there's I, Maroon Five on Saturday. There, I, are you going? <laughs> no, I, I was going to say I didn't. I, I'm not going. <laughs> I know Panda would want to go, <laughs> but it's getting harder and harder to breathe. <laughs> oh my god! They will be loved. So we're going to stop singing, you guys. This has been a disaster. Of a podcast, but it's been I don't a lot think of fun. so. I think it's been look, gloves had to come off, bro. No, the gloves off are fine. We've sang to them far too many times. Uh, so what? <laughs> <laughs> to, yeah. to quote Adam Sandler in The Wedding Singer, I have a microphone, so you will listen to every damn word I have to say. <laughs> they, they could turn it off at any point. I yeah, think. they could. That's all true. right. Well, you guys know how we like to end all of our episodes. This is 170 of the most LAFC podcast on earth. 
Join us in just a couple of days to break down the carnage in Carson. Oh, I like that. That's <laughs> right? a good title. Oh, with Venom coming out, too. That was like a double Ooh, entendre wee. accidentally. It's going to be a fun day. We're going to the Rams-Cardinals game, and then we're going to go LAFC-Galaxy. Are we? Are, are I mean, we? I am. I am say, going, you're going to the Rams-Cardinals game. I mean, that'll be a long, sports-filled day, which that'll means my Saturday will be me doing nothing. Doesn't the, the morning also start with, like, Premier League stuff that we signed up to do, too? It's, to me, it's, it's, it's a dream scenario. The only other dream scenario would be if I didn't have to go to work on a Monday. Oh, well, for all of you that have listened to this far, thank you. We love you. And you know how we like to end all of our episodes. Bye-bye.